0: Well, go ahead and turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. We're continuing our study uh, in grow groups and, and the subjects prayer. And that's an area that I think uh, we always want to talk about and study, but we all I think it's a lot of it's misunderstood, and it, but it is the key to maintaining our fellowship with our Savior. Several weeks ago, we talked about what is prayer, and it basically we just said, what is prayer? What is it? Just talking to God. And you don't have to have the special language. And, you know, we talked about it and sort of made fun and laughed about how sometimes when certain people pray, they pray in King James English, and they they use words that they would never use normally. But I don't know why they do that, because somehow they've been taught that that's what you're supposed to do, or that's the way it's supposed to be. So we're focusing, really, as we're thinking about that, is the importance of prayer. And we're looking at it in three key areas. And we look at the importance of prayer in the life of Jesus Christ. We saw that. We'll just quick a quick review. We're now early the early church. What, what, did, what was the church like? The early church. And this is right after Christ died and rose again, and, and he's walked, he's left the face of the earth, the Holy Spirit's come down, the church has begun, and immediately there's persecution. And what did they do? What did they do about prayer? How did they do things? And then the third thing is the life of the individual believer. What about prayer in our lives? We're just going to touch on that, and we'll go into some things, and then we'll start getting into different kinds of prayer, and, and we'll look. I think one of the things uh, that, that we'll see in our study, which A lot of people are confused on number one is the Lord's Prayer. And it's actually not the Lord's prayer, it's the disciples' prayer, because the, the disciples said to Jesus, teach us to pray. And he said, I pray in this way, our Father, which are in heaven. We all call that the Lord's prayer, but that's actually the disciples' prayer. The Lord's prayer is actually found in John chapter 17. We call it the high priestly prayer, Jesus' prayer with the guys in the upper room before he goes to the cross. So we're going to see all of that. We're going to see the Lord's prayer. We're going to see the high priestly prayer. We're going to talk about reasons for unanswered prayer, why in the world uh, the prayers are not answered. And so as we look at prayer, uh, in the, we looked at the prayer in the life of Christ. We saw that he took time to pray. It was a priority of life. As we look at the early church, we're going to see what they did. And, and, then we can, and listen, this is going to be a little bit hard because at the end, <clears throat> we're going to look at our church. We need to raise some questions. About ourselves and our church, and talk about that. How important was prayer in the early church? How important prayer in our lives right now as we study it? So we began the study by just saying prayer is talking to God, anytime, any place, anywhere, about anything. We actually know that there are different types of prayer. We haven't got to them yet. It's going to be a future lesson. But there's prayers which are petition, which are asking for things. There's intercession, which is praying for somebody else. <clears throat> There's praise, there's thanksgiving, there's confession. We're going to go to passages in the Bible where all the different words are used, and we're going to see them, and they're actually different ways to pray. I've talked to people before, and most people, when they take prayer, they actually think prayer is um, basically asking God for something. So when you think about it, 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 that's petition, but there's intercession and praise and thanksgiving and confession and all kind of things, so we can come to God in a lot of ways. As we talked about it last time, we said that Jesus made a prayer a priority in his life. He had an ongoing time and place. And we looked through the Bible and we saw that many, many times he would get up early and he would be away by himself and he'd be praying. And we talked last week, and I really a challenge. And I wonder, do I want you to raise your hand, how many of you decided, if you hadn't already had a place, that you would have a time and a place that you would consistently say, okay, I'm going to get up at this time. I'm going to be in my office, my room, wherever, and I'm going to pray. How many of you have made the decision that you're going to have a time and a place on an ongoing basis? Sometimes you say daily, and I think daily is right, but that doesn't mean something doesn't come up. Sometimes something happens, and so you don't need to feel guilty, but you need to say consistently, I try to go every day a time in which I pray and I read and I have what we call a quiet time. You need to do that. We talked about that because Jesus had a time and a place and it was the characteristic of his life. It needs to be a characteristic of our lives. If the Son of God needed to meet with the Heavenly Father on an ongoing basis, what about us as sons of God, as children of God, how much do we need to meet with our Heavenly Father? So we saw that Jesus made it a priority in his life. And so I'm still challenging you from last week. If you don't have a time, if you don't say, let me just going to make this up. What if you said, okay, every, let's just say work day, okay, every work day I'm going to get up and let me just go make it up. Six o'clock from 6 to 6.20, 6 to 6.15, 6 to 6.30. I'm going to have a quiet time. I'm going to have something to read. I'm going to maybe read the Proverbs. I'm going to write down stuff. I'm going to pray to God. I'm going to do that every day. Now, maybe Saturday or Sunday might be a little bit different. You might do it at a different time or a different way. But what if you said, I'm going to do that? and I'm going to get a prayer book, and I'm going to get a little deal. I have a little book that I write down. People tell me, will you pray for me? I go, yeah. I go in there, and I write it in my little book. And I pray until they tell me not to pray. And sometimes I'll come up, and I'll say, whatever happened on that? And they'll say, oh, that was wonderful. I go, so I go back, and I write answer by it. I do that. And so I, 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 it's, it's changed my life. So... I think we ought to do that. The second thing is we're going to look at is on the church, the early church. And we're going to be in Acts chapter 2, verse 42. That's the key. I want you to look at it. So if you're at Acts 2, look at verse 42, and it says that people were being saved and all this. In fact, in verse 41, it said there were about 3,000 people added to the church. Would we like to add 3,000? I mean, to come to know Christ as Savior. Wow, that was... and, And look what it says. They were continually devoting themselves. That means this was what they considered important, and they did it all the time. This is the local church. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to what? What's the last one? Prayer. I want you to think about it. So apostles' doctrine, that's the teaching of the Bible. Do we have an emphasis in this church, the teaching of the Bible? That's what we got to do. They had the fellowship. Now, the word fellowship there is koinonia, and it doesn't mean we're going to eat together. This has an idea of unity of purpose. Unity of purpose. It even has an idea of sharing and a unity of purpose. That means that we would give to each other, that we believe the same thing. We're moving the same direction. We think that our purpose is to make disciples. Way. So we have a unit that's the fellowship aspect. The breaking of bread was actually eating together. And we do that sometimes in our grow groups, sometimes we do it outside. We're gonna do it on in Thanksgiving on the I think it's the eleventh. We're gonna have a great big old meal and we're all gonna to eat together. And then the breaking of bread also meant the Lord's Supper, that they continually uh, you know, remember the death and resurrection of Christ. And then the fourth thing was prayer. And it says they continually devoted themselves to prayer. And so at the beginning of the church, and we, we say, gosh, that's 2,000 years ago, and, and a lot of people say, we need to get back to the New Testament church. Well, we can't get uh, The New Testament church was in a different culture in a different way. So we can't be exactly like them, but we can be a church that represents Jesus Christ in our culture and in our time. I mean, we're 21st century. It, it, things are totally different. Uh, what do you think Paul would have done with email and uh, text messaging? I mean, just don't tell him what he would have done. He would have said, You're kind of tell me that I can actually get a message to somebody right now and they live in another part of the world? I mean, normally it takes me about six months to get to them. And when I write a letter, sometimes it takes three to four months for it to get to them. So, how can you get somebody a message? in a matter of seconds, right? But you can. It's so different than it used to be. I wonder what Paul would think about the Internet, the way we have it, and which somebody in Japan. I've got a great friend. And he's in Japan. He goes to our website all the time, goes to listen to our message. He lives in Japan, and, and he goes there all the time and gets our stuff. What do you think Paul would think if somebody said, well, you, you can, in about two minutes, you can go click on a few places, and you can bring up a message or something uh, in two minutes, what Paul would say, that's that's impossible. And think about the 12 guys, or the 11, really, when you think about it, that started to spread into the message of Jesus Christ. Those 12 guys changed, changed what was the known world. Why can't we change our community? They changed the world. With, with, they didn't have any of the things we have. They didn't even have the whole Bible. They were writing it, right? So think about it. What was the church like? We said the teaching, the unity of purpose, eating together, remembering the death and resurrection of Christ, and prayer. I'm going to think that one of the keys that separates us is that maybe we don't pray enough. As a church and as an individual. This is going to be looking at as a church. Look look what this is. The, in the beginning, it was the teaching of the Word, the unity, eating, Lord's Supper, prayer, all of those things. But in, And here's what it says. These all with one mind were what? Continually devoting themselves to what? To prayer. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. And they were praying about everything. And let me just... This. this is going to sound bad. I hope, I, I'm, maybe I shouldn't say it. Uh, I have to think. Should I say this? Well, you know, sometimes we get in a group to pray. And how many times did we say, let's pray for our children's ministry and that children people would come to know Christ. Let's pray for this and this. Let's pray for that. What we usually pray for is somebody's aunt that nobody's ever known that lives in Wisconsin. I'm just making that up. And that's what we pray for. And the people in the room go, we'll pray for your aunt that we've never heard of and never know. But we don't pray for our own church. We don't pray for the ministries. We don't pray for each other. I think that's one of the things maybe we need. Not not that we don't pray for somebody's in Minnesota or Wisconsin. That's fine. But what about praying for what's going on here right now in our culture, in our community? They, with one mind, were continually devoting themselves to prayer, along with the women and the mother of Jesus and his brother. They were all doing that. That's at the beginning uh, as they were all out there. So how was this lived out? And I want you to see it. I'm going to show you four quick things and, uh, and we'll just see what we can get through, and I think we can do the whole thing today. How was this lived out? First of all, what about in opposition? Let me, let me see if I've got this one. Yeah, first one. How about opposition to the fallen world? The church began to grow. What happened to the believers when the church began to grow in Jerusalem? What happened? What happened as people began to trust Christ? What happened in the city of Jerusalem as people began to grow? Okay, they did. What happened to them? Okay, persecution. It's not right. The apostles, we, we, the apostles went into the temple area and they would proclaim about Christ and they got arrested two or three different times. The religious leaders would bring people out and arrest them and say, you can't do this. You can't do this. And so when there was opposition from the fallen world, or opposition to the fallen world, in that sense, it says, they went. one time they got arrested. This is in Acts 4. I'm not going to tell you to turn to all these places. But in Acts chapter 4, they got arrested. They were actually beaten And they left saying, isn't it wonderful? We suffered for God. We were suffering. And it says they came back and they were released and they reported uh, about all what the elders and everybody, they reported to all that had happened to them. And then here's what happened. And when they heard this, this is the body, the church, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. And I didn't put it all up there, but they went on and they said, Thank you, Lord, for using us and protect us and use us for your glory. They didn't say, O Lord, stop the persecution. They said, Use us for your glory. How do we handle in a fallen world when things go wrong? Do we pray for one another? Do we lift each other up? Are we praying for the ministries of our church and of ourselves and different people? And, uh, you know, Ruben, uh Massimi is going to be here this morning. He's with Advancing the Ministries of the Gospel. Uh, he's one of our missions. He's the mission of the month. You've seen his picture up. He's going to be here. But uh, uh, we need to be praying for them. We're going to try to start a thing with the grow groups that we're going to ask each of the grow groups, would they be willing to take one of our missionaries, those that are on that board, and adopt them, so to speak. And so say one of the grow groups says, we've got uh, got Reuben," and so we're going to begin to pray. That grow group's going to pray for him. That grow group's going to write letters. That grow group's going to keep up in a better way than we do just as a church. We, We want to do that. Second thing, how, besides persecution, how did they know what to do? How did they appoint leadership? Well, there was an issue. Let's, let's put this one up. How did the early church appoint leadership? Do you know that they uh, the church started growing so much and there were widows? There were, there were people who had no way of, they had no money. Some of them lost their stuff and some of them just had nothing. And so they sort of set up a, a, a thing and they gave out food on a regular basis to people, to the widows. But there were. What we call there are two different kind of Jewish widows. There were the Jewish widows who lived in Israel, and then there were Jewish widows who had been scattered all over, and they're now all in Jerusalem. And kind of word broke out that some of the Hebrew widows were getting more food in a better way than some of the Greek he, he widows, and so they begin to argue, and they said, "That's not fair. They they get up at the front of the line and they get the stuff." So how are you going to solve that? Well, you're going to have to pick some leaders. And so, in the book of Acts, they decided, the apostles came forward and said, first of all, we got to spend our time as apostles teaching and studying the Word. So we need to pick some men, some leaders, to hand out the food and oversee these ministries. So the statement found approval with the congregation, and they chose Stephen and Philip and Pecourius, and Nicarn, and Timma, and Parmenius, and Nicholas. And they chose them, and then here's what it says they did. And these were brought before the apostles, and after what? Praying, they laid hands on them. Laying hands on them is to identify with them. The body prayed and said, Lord, take these men and use them to do this ministry. Think about it. Think about it. Can we bring different people up from, say, college, youth, and nursery, and they bring them up and say, thank you, Lord, for putting these people in this place. Let's pray for them and love them, right? I mean, when was, unless you worked in the nursery, when was the last time you prayed for people in the nursery, right? I mean, or think about the youth program and think about all the different things going on. So as they appointed leaders in the body, they prayed about it. There's the third thing. What about trials and problems? Trials and problems. You know, Peter was pretty special. And um, he kept, he's always the leader. He would always be the guy to stand out front. And so they, they took James, who was John's brother, and they killed him. And then they put Peter in prison. And they were planning, right after one of the feast days, the, the religious leader, they were planning to bring him out and kill him. So they were going to kill Peter. They had just killed John, James, and now they were going to kill Peter. This James is James and John. John who wrote the gospel of John. And it's his brother. got killed early. They killed him. Cut his, probably cut his head off. And now they're going to kill Peter. And so what, what were they going to do about it? Well, it says, And they seized him and they put him into prison, delivered him to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending that after the Passover, they were going to bring him out before the people and they were going to put him to death. So what did the church do? So Peter was kept in prison, but... Prayer for him was being made fervently by the church of God. Pray for our leaders. Pray for people that are standing for Christ and maybe they're being persecuted. Pray in in the trials and problems of life. You know the story. Let me look at the time. You know the story. Peter's in prison and the next day they're going to kill him. The next day. Now what would you be doing your last night? I'd be this. I don't want to die. I, can you do something, Lord? You know what Peter's doing? He's asleep. He's asleep between two soldiers and two soldiers out front. And an angel of the Lord, angel, appears. We've been studying angels and demons. This is a good angel. Good angel appears and has to hit Peter to wake him up. And he wakes him up. And when he wakes him up, the chains fall off of his arms and his legs. And then he says, put your clothes on. So he put his clothes on. And then the door of the cell just opened up and the two guards that were out there were like in a trance and they walked right past him. they got to the edge of where the prison was and the door opened by itself and Peter walked out walked down the street with the angel and suddenly the angel disappeared and then Peter said I guess God wanted me out of there that's what he said you know and so he decided to go to the place that they were praying fervently for him and there it said John Mark's mother's house John Mark is the gospel of Mark and at his mother's house praying. And what do you think they were praying for? What do you think? Peter's release. So Peter goes to the door. It's at night. And, well, I, you know, in the middle of the night. And he knocks on the door. And a, girl, a, a servant girl named Rhoda comes to the door. And Peter says, it's me, Peter. Let me in. And she got so excited, she ran back in. And she said, Peter's at the door. Now, what are they praying for? Peter to be, You know what they said to her? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, he's already dead. He's probably dead, and it's his spirit. That's what they actually said. And she says, "No, it's not." And they came out to the door. Peter was still knocking on the door. They opened the door, and there was Peter. And they all started shouting. And Peter said, "Be quiet! I want to get in trouble. be quiet." So even though they were praying for Peter's release, were were they expecting God to answer that prayer? Not necessarily. Sometimes we pray for things and we say, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. You know, I prayed that, oh, we beat Texas. But did I really think we would? I mean, let's think about it, right? And sometimes we pray for things and you think, oh, I don't know if it's really going to happen. Jesus said pray and believe, right? Trials and problems. One more. Look at this one. How about ministry? Barnabas went up to a place called Antioch because a bunch of people trusted Christ up there, and the church in Jerusalem sent Barnabas, whose name means son of consolation, they sent him up there to get with the people, and he got with the people, and it was growing so fast, he said, i got to have help, and he remembered a guy by the name of Saul of Tarsus, which is Paul, who, is, who has become a Christian, so he goes all the way over to Tarsus, finds Paul and says, you need to come back and help me in the ministry, and they came back, and for a whole year they taught the people. It was just amazing. And then God said, set apart two people for me, Paul, Saul, and Barnabas, for a particular ministry I have for them. And so what did they do? It says, and they were ministering to the Lord. The Holy Spirit said, set apart from me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have for them to do. And look what they did. And when they had fasted and what? Prayed, they laid hands on them, and they sent them away. Every time something happened, and think about it, they were the church, they were characterized by what? Whether listen, and let me let me put this right here. Whether it was the the fallen world coming against them or appointing leaders or going through trials or sending out missionaries or picking anything, what did they do? They prayed. They prayed. And they're saying, Lord, help us, Do this, give us wisdom. Remember, we talked about this on a lot of things, especially when we're talking about knowing God's will. I mean, when two leaders, when, God, when the Holy Spirit says, set apart these two men, we're going to go, yeah, we're praying for you because we're, we're sending you out because that's what God said to do. And so, what should we as a local church do? What should we be doing? Pray. Praying, and corporately and individually. And, and what ways do we as a church provide prayer. I mean, let's face it, we start the service and I say, let's pray, right? And then we close the service, we say, let's pray. Is there more to it than that? When we have a class, we start off with prayer. Usually we start off this with prayer. Usually do we have times for prayer? We know that if you had a request, what could you do? If you have a prayer request, what can you do? You can email the church or call the church, and there are a group of people. I mean, a large number. How many is on the prayer chain? Over 300. Over 300 people. So if you said, I've got a prayer request about my aunt in Wisconsin, you could send it to the church, and in a matter of seconds, it's to at least 300 people. And we can all be praying. See, I, I remember the early days, There were there were the prayer chain was the telephone. And somebody would call, and the church, and then the person would call this other person, and this other person would call three people, and those three people would call three people, and that's how it spread. And it took a while. And of course, when you call somebody and they didn't answer, you go, okay, I'll have to call them later. And then sometimes, you didn't call them later, and sometimes it never got through. At least this way, you know it's getting through. Now, whether you open your email and read it or not, that's a whole different story. But, what are some ways, tell me some things you think about how we as a church can do better in prayer. It, in the in the old days, most churches would have Sunday morning service, Sunday night service, and they'd call it Wednesday night what? Prayer time. And I remember I went to some churches that had Wednesday night prayer time, and they would come together and they would have a list of things to pray for, and a person would stand up and say, "Okay, y'all see the prayer request? Let's pray." Thank you, Lord, for these prayer requests. Thank you. Thank you all for coming. That was their prayer. This one's different. We, the, the one of the reasons we, done, we did not have a Sunday night service is because in this college town and on this highway, on Sunday evenings, many times, college people, people are coming back into town. It's already a little bit dangerous to pull out. You've you got to know that when you get ready to pull out, if you see something at all over that hill, don't pull out. If you don't see anything, you can pull out and just hope they're not going too fast. So we thought we better not do a Sunday night simply because a lot of people are coming back into town from being gone on the weekends. Now, we have Wednesday night because that's not near the traffic coming into the town. Uh, Maybe we should consider. uh, uh, Let me just tell you something. I was in another church that we would have teaching and then we would have prayer time. And the teaching would be about 100 people And then we'd say, okay, now we're going to break for prayer and we'll get into groups. And we broke for prayer, all 12 of them. 88 of them walked out the door every time. They did not stay for prayer. If I said to you, let's have a meeting starting on Sunday nights at 6 o'clock for prayer only, how many do you think in our church would show up? Now, I would love to say that 40, 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 would. Wouldn't it be great? How many do you think might show up? Ten? Ten or twelve? Ten or 12? Who knows? Maybe we ought to try it. That's a, that's a suggestion, right? Have not necessarily a Sunday night, but Sunday night or sometime. Or what if, as we're thinking, what if once a month we had a particular time that we said, all we're going to do is come together and we're going to have different things that we can pray for about the church? Okay? What do you think of that? I'm just talking out loud. Be thinking. Give me some ideas, right? I mean, it's your church, right? It's not my church. It's your church. So what do you want to do? So, well, that's just some thoughts. Now, so I think, I, think, I think we need more times for prayer. They continually devoted themselves to prayer. Now, let me look at the top. This time is up, but let me just do this real quickly. This is sort of a preview for next time. When you think about the life of a believer individually, the Bible tells us, Luke 18, 1, he was telling them in a parable that they ought to not lose heart, but pray at all times they ought to pray. So we ought to keep praying. I had a lot of people ask me, what if you pray for something and you keep praying for something and it doesn't ever seem to be answered, or it always seems to be a no, or maybe, do you keep praying? What does he say to do? What does he do? He said, keep praying. He says, tell them the prayer at all times ought to pray and not lose heart. 1 Thessalonians 5.17, rejoice evermore, pray without ceasing. Uh, Colossians 4.2, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of what? Thanksgiving. So I just wanted you to see that. There's one more place, and we're going to talk about these next week when we start getting into individual. It's Philippians 4.6. He says, be anxious for nothing, but everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Do what? Let your request be made known to God. Why? Because the peace of God comes when you make that. And we're going we're gonna to talk more about that uh, next time. I know time is up, but I want you to be thinking. Uh, let's think, think about this. Okay, first of all, let's be devoted to prayer. Let's be devoted to prayer. As a church, let's make a priority in your own life, in your own individual lives. Make prayer a priority, time and a place. But also, let's think about the church and how we can do it. And then the second thing is let's examine our church Are we characterized by prayer? What are we doing? What could we do differently? Okay? These are just things. I want you to think about it. And you can let me know. Let each other know. I mean, it's our church, right? So let's figure out things that maybe maybe we're not doing something we should. Or maybe we can do something better. Or maybe we can do things we never even thought of.